Hey, welcome to another edition of the Talking Rock Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and I'm hanging here with Joey Haney. Joey, how are you? I'm good. Good morning to you, Mark. How you doing? Good morning. Yes, it is uh, 10, uh, 11 East Coast time. You are Central time, right, Joey? Yes, sir. Wow, it's really early for you. Are you an early morning guy? Do you get up early in the morning? It depends on what my work schedule is, but it's I, it's a day off today, so it's nice to get up and be productive. So right. it's, it's always good to it's a good way to start the day with some talking rock. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for for uh, getting up and doing this with me. I always love doing these episodes with you. They are mostly discussion, and they're pretty much free form. We don't go into any major conversations about what we're going to talk about ahead of time, and I think that keeps it fresh. And you sent me a a list of things that I wanted to run down, which I think are all good topics to talk about. I have a few things that I'd like to talk about too. So let's let's start here at the top, the future of Rush. Uh, This is something I mentioned on Facebook that there's been some numerous interviews with Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson, and some things said here and there over the past year, I'd say, where I get the vibe that Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee maybe aren't done and would like to keep making music and are, I don't know, it's a weird thing. Like, Neil Pert seems like, even though we don't hear interviews with him very much, we know he doesn't like doing interviews, Right. it, it seems like he's 100% done, which I get it. The drums is such a physical thing that it's you know listen the body deteriorates it's 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 tougher to to move at that speed when you get older and these are not young men by any stretch of the imagination but but what what is i mean could you ever see alex and getty going and doing something without neil i i could definitely see them doing that but i think the the bond of those three and you know and who knows maybe their relationships have fallen off, you know, over these years. And, and of course, the the horrible thing that happened to Neil, and of course that was covered in the documentary. Um, but I I could see them doing it, but I would think that it would have to be very respectfully done. It would have to be a new thing, a new name, you know. Obviously, the Rush fandom would be there, uh, but I think maybe they would be doing a project on a lower level, you know, basically just for the love of it and. I don't think anything else would do. I don't think fans would be ready to accept a rush without Neil Peart, despite the fact that, of course, he wasn't the original drummer, but he is the rush drummer. He's the definitive rush drummer. So I don't think anything else would do, even if they right. went out with Portno, which I know, which is what the hot rumor is, but it would still have to be called something else. Nothing else would do. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Neil's an interesting guy because. You know, you mentioned the stuff, the terrible stuff that happened to him. Uh, he mm-hmm. lost his wife and his daughter, right? In the same exact year, the same God. calendar year. And then he uh, hit the road on his motorcycle, and he documented this in two of his books. So he's got books out if you want to know, you know, kind of where his head was at for sure. So yeah. and then, you know, they talk about it in the Sam the Sam Dunn documentary. Yeah, which is uh, a which great is documentary. Great. And, and the one thing that becomes clear in that documentary is – you know, Neil Neil was, a, was just such an interesting personality, and you even go back, way back to 1980 with Moving Pictures, and the, specifically the song Limelight, and his lyrics. You know, he wrote the majority, if not all, the lyrics for this band, at least, you know, since he joined on the, on the second record. 
And those, those lyrics that always just haunt me are, I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend in the song Limelight. And, and that was his... It was almost a diss at the at the Rush fans, you know the the and and how he can't relate to somebody he doesn't know, even though they think he they know him through his music. So it it is interesting that 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 his relationship with with the fans, and I even think the music was always different than than Getty and and Alex. And I I will say this though, and no disrespect, I love Getty Lee. He's one of the greatest rock voices. But I saw them like on the 30th anniversary tour, and and Getty could not sing the songs anymore. I mean, he can't hit those notes anymore. And and he to me he struggles really live, uh, a lot live. And I do find it interesting that people never really spoke much about that. You know, it's it's it, I find it so strange how. How guys like Paul Stanley and and Ozzy, if they are having trouble hitting notes, they're they're viciously attacked. But other people like Getty Lee, who can't sing nearly like he used to, or Angus Young, who can hardly play the guitar and he, at at the level that he used to, uh, no one even says anything about that. You know, it, it's to me, it's it's uh, it's interesting. But let's uh, any any final thoughts on Rush before we move on to the next topic. Yeah, I think I, I definitely feel the need to say something about what you just said there. And I think there is, uh, I think that's a critical pass is what I, what I call, even though Rush has never been a critics band, I still think at the end of the day, they still are respected, even if they are secretly. So I think that's where Getty doesn't get that kind of venom uh, because Kiss and Ozzy are such easy targets. Yes. But at the end of the day, Rush does have musical credibility and a lot of those bands do not, unfortunately, at least in some circles. So that's probably where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. So, but in, I saw them on that last tour and that was actually the only time I ever got to see Rush. And it was such an amazing show. I mean, it's documented well in the R40 release. If you haven't seen that, get it. Uh, It was just, it was awesome. I don't want to even spoil what kind of show it was. People don't know what kind of show they did, but it was really great and simple yet innovative. And I'm just glad I got to see it. And if that was my only shot, happy about it and i just wish them happiness and what they do in the future that's basically all i can say about that absolutely three great guys i really love what rush is about and and how just down to earth especially alex and 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 getty how how they've been just so down to earth i had the opportunity to interview getty when i worked on on that metal show and uh he was just such a sweetheart so anyways moving on Bohemian uh, Rhapsodies, Oscar noms. So, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but any thoughts on that? I'm just kind of blown away, and I I have to confess, I still haven't seen the movie. Yeah, it's a good one, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it got, it did well at the Globes, and, you know, getting Best Picture nomination, that's, you know, that's almost unprecedented, and I haven't seen... You know, I talked about how Ray was the barometer of rock bios for me and the yep. fact that it seems to be doing as well uh, critically, even though I've I think I saw some weird thing where it's it has more nominations and awards and with the least amount of like critical rating on like a Rotten Tomatoes or one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that means it's just a light year, but at the same time. I think it's good that the Oscars, uh, and they've been kind of making a point over the years to reward 
fan friendly movies as opposed to just you know wine and cheese art house movies right on uh that people can't relate to so you know I, i'm i'm still wanting to see it i know you know star is born is music related as well and, and that got a nomination so yeah you know, and i, I just, haven't seen that but everything about that just seems like a big yawn fest to me i i, I loved the first lady gaga record full disclosure but everything she's done since then you know there's been a song here or there i, I she just seems like she's so freaking full of herself and and I, I don't know. I'm. I just every time I hear Lady Gaga, I'm just like, oh god. It's just like, like, and I, I was a big supporter. I really liked her in the beginning, and I thought what she was doing was cool and refreshing. But, but then half the song she put out puts out since then, they just sound like, like you know, rewritten Elton John and Bon Jovi songs when she does the rock piano thing that aren't aren't very good and I, I I'm so sick of her. But anyways, yeah. uh, that's the, I keep uh I keep waiting for her to finally 100 percent fully embrace the rock side of her. But I don't know, maybe she oh, never God. will. But I hope know, not. She, talks, Be- she, talk, she talks a big game on it, but she hasn't done it yet. Yeah, so. I think she's a complete poser, and that the one of the most embarrassing moments, if not the most embarrassing moment in Metallica's career, was them getting on stage with her for that disastrous performance where she's like dancing around and i mean you know she's like as she's like rock she's like broadway rock that's the you know it's like rent and freaking uh what was that other uh thing i said rock of ages that's the type of rock that lady gaga is she's not freaking metal or true hard it's like lamp just like Lambert singing for Queen, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, uh, real quick, the Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody thing, it took me, I don't know why it took me so long to, like, put two and two together, but the guy who plays Freddy, what's his name? Rami, Rami, he's uh, he's the guy from Mr. Robot, which I watched, like, the six episodes of that oh. show and actually thought it was yeah. a good show. Um with uh, Christian Slater is on that show. I, I really enjoyed that, but I, I never finished it. But it, that's a good show if anybody is interested in uh, a good TV show. Anyways, moving on. Mis- mysterious Futures of ACDC and Van Halen. Again, real quick. I, I don't know. I, I can take or leave either of these. I thought having Axel in the band and doing a new record with Axel could have been a weird kind of fun ending moment for for a final ACDC record. Again, ACDC, so good, so potent in their prime. I, and again, no one talks about this, but Brian Johnson can't hit the notes like he used to. Um, the you know People keep sending me this performance of Brian Johnson playing with Muse. Oh, this is so awesome from like three years ago, which I, people stopped sending me that. I saw it three years ago when it was first posted, but people are, it must have had a resurgence because I got hit with it like three times in the last month, but he can't sing. Even in that performance, he doesn't sound great singing. And, and Angus, again, no one talks about this. He cannot play the guitar very well anymore, guys. He can't. The solos are a freaking disaster. And he gets to Dirty Deeds, the, the, the pull-offs on the first string in that solo. It just sounds like nothing. He can't. He really, his fingers have really, really slowed down. I don't know. I don't know. I, I saw him on the last tour with with Axel. I saw him, you know, before that on that same tour before Brian Johnson left, and it was so much fun. And I, and I really enjoyed those shows. But I feel like enough is enough with for ACDC. Van Halen, the same thing. I, I mean, Eddie. When I saw Eddie, um, 
over 10 years ago at this point at the garden he he was shredding and sounding great and dave sounded great however i think as that reunion wore on dave deteriorated for some reason his vocals were pretty pretty bad at the at the end of that whole thing i don't know i'm i'm this you know the rumors are are spreading like wildfire fire on both of these bands and nothing no proof that any of the rumors are true especially with van halen i mean we did see those pictures yeah. of acdc but uh, thoughts joey yeah there, there's even the rumor of them both actually touring together and playing stadiums that's how hot that's how big the rumors have have uh, spread for those two acts that they've got them together now in rumor so i mean of course who wouldn't go to that if they didn't announce it i'm i'm you know i'm going to that if they announce a stadium right. tour if if they tour individually i'll go to that too i'm still an unabashed fan of both of those bands and i recognize the flaws that you pointed out there but you know it's uh <laughs> it's like we talked about with these other bands we're still going to go see them and right on. I, I don't think i don't think it's as obvious with acdc because they're so basic and unrefined over the years. You know, Brian Johnson's never been recognized as a great singer, so his performance will not get the same kind of you know uh, dissection as like a Paul Stanley would. Right? So I think that they'll be fine even with that. I saw I saw him on Black Ice and it was it was great. So I'd be interested to see I you know seeing him with this whatever lineup is going to be the lineup and that's even still in question supposedly even though the the rumor is that brian's back and and phil rudd is back we still haven't even got those official announcements yet we're already calling brian johnson yet they haven't announced that he's back in the band yet right that's true and next topic woodstock 50th anniversary show announced wow i see you're you're telling me in the email the show announced that is announced i a had no idea this was happening or that that the show was announced. Who's playing? I, is it anybody interesting? They haven't announced anybody. That's the thing. Is that there's oh, the a show's webcast. announced, but the lineup's not announced. Exactly, and it's there apparently. And this happened in '94 as well. You know, for the the 20, 25th anniversary, and there was a you know there was the big Woodstock '94 concert with the pay per view and the whole thing. Yet it wasn't like completely on the original site, and then there was a rogue Woodstock concert with some of the more older acts. And uh, I remember that yeah. at, at the original Woodstock. So they're doing that again this time around. So there's already like, there's actually two different Woodstock shows announced, but I guess live nation or somebody has the rights to Woodstock. So they're, they've got the name and they said tickets go on sale in February yet. They haven't announced even like, a rough lineup, like even like a top three headliner kind of thing. But I, the only reason I brought that up with you, Mark, is because, you know, you've been mostly an East Coast guy your whole life or New England and East Coast and all that stuff. Did I mean, I was going to ask you if you went to any of those revival shows or know anyone who actually did. I, I know people who went. I, I didn't go. Um, but, yeah, I know people that went. And, you know, it, I don't know. I'm out in the fe- fence with, with Woodstock's 50th anniversary show. It, it's not something that, I guess, until they announce it, yeah, is it going to be like all the old hippie bands that, you know, or, or are they going to spin it like a Coachella, you know, which which I, I would prefer they do that. However, yeah. Just the name and the brand Woodstock. I think it's tough to to spin it as a Coachella, but let's see, let's see. You know, um, 
The Who have announced a f- uh, another tour, and which is crazy because I remember The Who in 1982 doing their farewell tour. <laughs> 1982, exactly. when 92, 2002. So here we are, 30, what, 35 years after the farewell tour, uh, and The Who are touring again. The Who were one of my favorite bands for probably a year and a half period when I was in junior high in 1982 when there was so much hype around what their their final tour uh it was that was a great great tour I I, I remember taping one of the final shows uh, off the radio it was broadcast live from Toronto um such a such a an exciting time in that band's career I saw them in the 90s when John Entwistle was still alive I've not seen them since Entwistle has has died and I don't know. I would consider going. I would consider going because I haven't seen them in a long time. But we're talking about elderly people at this point. It's 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 really interesting um, to me that this stuff just continues to go on and on and on. But one of one of the greatest rock bands, in my opinion, The Who, and I might be due to see them on this tour. I'm, I'm definitely considering it. Yeah, and I brought them up because you know, yes, they have announced their their new tour this year. Plus, they actually had performed at the original Woodstock. Uh, infamously, Pete Townsend hated that gig, hated Woodstock. Right. Uh, but I've actually never seen them, and I wish I had gone when it was was still alive. Had plenty of chances, and I just took it for granted and didn't go. And I totally regret it now, but. I've even, uh, on and off through even the last decade or so, heard and seen performance of them, and they didn't sound too bad still. Right. So, did they I mean, do the I Super Bowl? Didn't they do the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Did the I, I thought they sounded not so great on that. He came out and sounded bad at the beginning, and then he got better as as the thing went went on. But yeah, it's always hard to judge judge stuff off the YouTube clips and, and TV performances because you're not there, you're not in the moment. So, um, but yeah, I, listen, uh, Pete Townsend is so f- good and brilliant, and I, I will say, my friend Bill Flanagan, uh, who works at Sirius um, XM, did an interview with Pete Townsend, which I believe, if you have Sirius XM, it's on the uh, the app. Um, I forgot what the name of his is show like, is. Is it like the uh, is it the town hall discussion or no? It... It's just like a, a just him and Bill Flanagan talking. Okay. And, and anyways, it's a great great interview that really gave me an insight into you know again this is a Pete Townsend interview, but it gave me a real for the first time a real understanding about how important Roger Daltrey was in the Who's sound. I mean, Pete would write yeah. these these emotional you know. Uh, I'll call him emo, not to be confused with the, the the emo style of music many years later. But yeah, you know, these songs and Roger would vocally turn them into these, you know, Viking-esque rock anthems, you know, with with his shirt off and the long flowing curly blonde hair and and yeah. and his big powerful voice. And really, kind of turned some of these songs that that you know the real me it was it was this song questioning yourself and and deeply emotional song. But when he sang it, when Roger sang it with that oomph and that power, it really turned it into 
an aggressive song and and that was something that happened with so much of the who's music and anyone who discounts roger daltrey's participation in what made the who so popular is absolutely out of their mind because yeah pete townsend did write these songs but it was roger daltrey's vocal interpretation of them that you know it was that it was that combo that that really put him over the the top and of course keith moon's drumming and entwistle's bass definitely uh all added to uh the winning formula so great great band um so let me let me talk to you about the grammys because it's something i don't really pay any attention to anymore is there more rock stuff being nominated now no i mean in the sense that there's no rock things nominated for any of the major awards and i think even in the past even in the most recent past things have gotten through like i remember like a few years ago the black keys got nominated for one of the major awards like record of the year or song of the year there's nothing like right. that this year hmm. so it's basically just like it's stuff that's not going to get televised right but you know i, I just figured if, uh, if you wanted to talk about who it, in those particular rock categories who was nominated like your thoughts on that do you have you it know? in front of you Oh, oh yeah, I do. Uh, oh, who's not best rock? Best, yeah, best rock performance, and this could be either records or songs, which is show you how much they actually care about it. Um, Arctic Monkeys, four out of five. Chris Cornell, when bad does good. Fever, what, three fifty three. What's when I don't, bad I don't does good? I don't know. I guess maybe it's a new song off of uh, off of like his retrospective because I know that's out right now. All right. Um, Fever, three three three. Made in America. Greta Van Fleet, Highway Tune, and Hailstorm, Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Hailstorm are nice. I really like them as people. Um, and what I like is that they're, you know, under 40 and they're out there freaking rocking it. And I think that's great. Um, anyone mm-hmm. who's in the first half of their life who's, you know, still out there playing loud, aggressive rock music, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of. But nothing, nothing in that list that you read me excites me at all. Uh, I mean, even the Chris Cornell thing, I love Chris Cornell, but I don't know right. that song. I need to go listen to it. And I do think that because of what, you know, his his, his death, that, that that has become, uh, you know, that he, he'll probably win. Yeah. Um, so do you want to know the medal nominations? Sure. Um, and who would I see who you would cast your vote for uh, between the buried and me condemned the gallows, deaf Haven, honeycomb, high on fire, electric Messiah, trivium betrayer and under oath on my teeth. Wow. It's interesting. Cause that under oath record got such bad reviews. Uh, I do think there is some, some great songs on that. I love Ken Andrews from failures involvement on that record. I, I, and those guys are real sweethearts. I, I interviewed them for talking metal. Um, and I, I really, really thought that that was a a strong record and, and what they did with, with kind of going from their Christian faith and, and denouncing that I I thought they really, uh, had a powerful year, uh, in more ways than, than, than one. And I am rooting for them. Um, uh, Def Haven, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't. I don't know enough about the record. The little bits I heard sounded great. I saw them p- perform this past year. They're they're great. 
Yeah, Trivium Hot Fire had a lot of, had a lot of buzz this year too. Last year, yeah. Trivium, and I mean, I hate to say this because those guys have been on Talking Metal, but I don't know. They're not really exciting to me. Um, I know whenever they're on, we get a shitload of listens. So if you're listening to this right now, I'm I'm sorry uh, if you're a big Trivium fan, but nice, super nice guys. Again, nothing there that excites me overly. Greta Von Fleet, I, I'm I'm like kind of like really kind of turning against them. I, I don't know. I was rooting for them at first, and now I'm just like, it's so incredibly dull to me. What do you think? What are your opinions on these nominations? Are they I, metal? I, They're I nominated know. for metal? This is, that was, that's the, that was the metal category. Grand Van Fleet wasn't nominated for metal. It was oh. um, between the Buried of Me, Death Haven, High on Fire, Trivium, and Under Oath. But Grand Van Fleet... Ghost is uh, not nominated? I mean, that's, to me, crazy. Or are they in the rock one? See, I was going to say best rock song. Greta Van Fleet's nominated for Black Smoke Rising, and Ghost is nominated for Rats. Uh, rounding out that are Bring Me the Horizon, 21 Pilots, and St. Vincent. So obviously I would cast the ballot for Ghost on that one, uh, as well as Ghost getting right. nominated for Prequel for best rock album. It's interesting they put Alice. that under rock and not metal. I mean, I guess it could go either way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, I mean, the the sound has evolved into, you know, there's a lot more pop influence. I mean, they've always had a pop influence, obviously, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably best just to stay in the rock, hard rock category for Ghost because there's so many haters on the metal side of the community at this point. They should probably just, you know, set their flag in the rock place. Well, uh, yeah, plus the, the Grammys are so concerned with, you know, they're still decades later reeling from the, you know, giving Jethro Tull the best metal award, you know, um, yeah. so they're over Metallica. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, they, uh, they gave they gave Metallica like reparations for like the next five years. They figured out a way to give a, a Grammy to Metallica for like the five years running after that almost, it seems. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's hilarious. It was like whether it's like a soundtrack song or a true album song they figured out a way to get that grammy on metallica just to say sorry <laughs> so, right on cool. i always thought that was really funny if you go back and look at the timeline it's all there so right i don't know the grammys to me i've always just seemed like even back in the day like i'm so old and out of the loop on this stuff now and it's so not rock anymore that that these award shows are just like whatever you know i, I used to love the mtv music uh music awards and and the movie oh, yeah. awards and now i just like even that is just like blah um but yeah that was, that was definitely appointment television and you know i used to love award shows when i was a kid and as the years have gone i just fell off i think easily my jumping off point for the grammys to where i was like i'm doing this again was you know the whole chris brown thing that happened and i'm gonna get real soapboxy here but you know that whole incident that happened and then it was literally two years later, they're giving him a spotlight on the show and giving him a Grammy. Right. And I thought, you know what? Screw you guys forever, man. That is the lowest you could possibly go. So, yeah, no, not for me. Right on. Um, okay, so two more topics which you don't know about. Lana Del Rey has a new track out. I guess there's new music on the way. Uh, I I know a good majority of our listeners probably absolutely despise her, but I got to tell you, I love her music. I, there's something that is so um, soothing and, and touches me in a way that, that other music does not. And I was just curious, what's your opinion on her? 
I don't have one right now, so right. you should probably send me that track and I'll get back to you on it because I have never given her a serious shot at all. So I know of her, I just don't right. know any of her music. Yeah, I mean, the tr- songs to check out would be, I mean, that first record was just explosive. There were so many good songs off of that from, you know, Born to Die to Summertime Sadness, which I, I to the Rick Rubin produced uh, song Ride, which came out in the deluxe version of Born to Die, I believe. And since then, she's continued to put out songs that I, I think are just so uh, deeply emotional and 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 well done and real the opposite of of lady gaga in in my opinion just so real and you know live she lana del rey definitely struggles with some pitch issues and stuff but it almost makes it more seductive if you will uh because she's she is just so real and she's you know, there's even like picture, like there was some Pavarazzi going up to talk to her and ask and asking her questions, and she just that a video clip that I saw, and she just seems so sincere, and uh, I hear that in her music too. So I just wanted to give a shout out to her because I'm curious to what you guys, the listeners, think of her too, because so many people just despise her, but I, I actually really, really like her music and uh, encourage anyone with an open mind to check out what she does. Well, I definitely took a similar journey with Kesha uh, that you have with, yeah, okay. with her because uh, my wife's a big Kesha fan and, you know, so I can't help hearing some of it. But, you know, I definitely feel that she's actually a real legit rock and roll fan. Plus, she went through a ton of shit personally over the last few years. And so the album she put out, you know, as an answer to all that stuff was actually a pretty good record. And even Eagles of Death Metal are on a couple of tracks with her. She's having fun. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, you should go check that out. Um, God, I, that name, name always slips me. I can't remember the name of the album. Damn it. But uh, yeah, it's her yeah. latest one. There's uh, also a track she does with with the Dap Kings, which was Sharon Jones' backing band. And so, like, yeah, I think uh, a lot of the similar things you were describing. Seems like a cool person, you know, has some issues, but, you know, I'm rooting for him. So similar journey there. But I'll definitely uh, check out those tracks you recommended for sure. So Cool. Yeah, so we are just hitting I'm bullet open. point. Oh, go ahead. No, I said I'm open. I'm open right. to it. <laughs> yeah, that's in, that's important with all types of music, guys. I just stress always having an open mind. And the older you get, listen, I know I'm I'm an old man, but it's the harder it is to accept newer ideas and newer music and newer art forms. And and you gotta you gotta push yourself to not become the the grumpy old man who was just like, remember back in the day when things were so great because things were never so great back in the, the 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 day but that's just the way your brain tends to work you 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 shut off new things when you feel that you're too old or removed and you have to always be open to to new ideas and new things and i mean that from i'm not i'm talking about everything not just music i'm just talking about life in general and i think uh, that's an important thing that we we all struggle with but have to strive for um ending ending i wanted to just mention something that i i've been really giving a lot of thought to lately joey and this is how certain types of music and or not types of music certain artists are reflected differently in history than what was the reality 
And, you know, we've seen this with a band like Caius, who no one cared about Caius when they came out. They had they, they played to empty clubs. You know, they, yeah. they, they weren't popular. But through the years, the legend of Caius grew into something way bigger than it ever was than it, when it actually existed, which is, is really a fascinating thing. But I don't think it's limited to to band like Caius. Um, I think there are other bigger bands. Like, I, I, I think... Like Thin Lizzy is a perfect example where I listen, I I grew up in in the late seventies and through the eighties. Thin Lizzy was a band that rarely anyone talked about. There were no kids with Thin Lizzy T shirts at my school. Were there kids with Leonard Skinner shirts in the eighties, even though Skinner was pretty much done by that point uh, were there kids with zeppelin shirts even though zeppelin was done yes yes a lot of the classic rock bands from the 70s remained incredibly popular credence you know these bands were were even though they weren't active in the 80s they they were active in all over fm radio they were they were so big um thin lizzy no no thin lizzy no one talked about thin lizzy in in the 1980s no one very few radio stations ever played their music. I remember, you know, when Bon Jovi covered The Boys Are Back in Town, it was kind of like, what is this song? Oh, it was a band called Thin Lizzy from the 70s. No one talked about Thin Lizzy, you know, they, but yet now the way history reflects Thin Lizzy was that they were way bigger than they actually were in reality. And I'm just using them as an example. And I think it's great because Thin Lizzy were brilliant. They had so much great yeah. stuff. But I I think that younger kids might not understand, like like even the Ramones. The Ramones weren't popular when the Ramones were together. They were not. They they never they the Ramones never played arenas. They played you know, city gardens in Trenton, and they they wouldn't even fill that. You know, the Ramones is a band that exploded after the Ramones ceased to exist. And again, another great, great band. But yeah. I see people like with T-shirts, and I mean, you would have thought Thin Lizzy and Ramones were two of the biggest bands of the 1970s, and they weren't. They right. were nowhere close. Um, right. You know, so any thoughts on that? I have a few more that I want to mention, but... Yeah, no, and I'm glad you said it because I would have had to say it too. Some of the best songs ever, Thin Lizzy and the Ramones. I mean, they're phenomenal bands. And the the Thin Lizzy thing, it's definitely more of a European thing. You see that the bands that they wound up influencing were all mostly European bands. And, you know, the twin guitar thing, of course, which is what led to Priest and Maiden. They were the precursor to that. And also at the same time, they get to have that cool singer-songwriter thing. So... That's what makes Thin Lizzy one of the best bands ever is it appeals to hard rock guys and it appeals to singer-songwriter guys, too. Uh, so that's what makes them just incredibly unique. I think that's probably what kept them from being so big is that they weren't simple. Uh, so there's that. Uh, you know, and much like uh, Phil Lennon and the Ramones, uh, more popular in death than they ever were in life, which is sad but true. Um, it's a shame they didn't have the record sales. So yeah, I mean it's it's revisionist history, but I think it's the influence that those bands cause that what's what makes them bigger than they really were in reality. So yeah. I'd love to have the T-shirt licensings, just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. We we talked about that when the Misfits divorced, you know, and Glenn got the publishing and Jerry got the merch. I totally would rather have the merch because they you would have made more money that way. 
Yeah, and Misfits is another example. You know, they played a, a couple arena shows this past year, or a few arena shows. It's like yeah. the Misfits were a band that no one cared about back in the day. I mean, they they became popular after the fact because Metallica covered some of their songs. You know, even a song like Black Betty, the song Black Betty by Ram Jam, this song yeah. was not popular in the 70s. You could not I, – I remember hearing it – once or twice on the radio when I was a kid in the 80s and and thinking, oh, wow, that's a great song, but we never knew who it was. We never caught the name. It was kind of this like mysterious song that would get played on FM radio twice a year. Um, yeah. Again, Black Betty everywhere. I was at the ski slope this weekend. They're playing you know, Black Betty by Ram Jam over and over again. It's just like that song – that song was never popular when it came out. It, it it is now. I know it was. I think it was on Grand Theft Auto, uh, the video game on one of the radio stations on Grand Theft Auto. Uh, Auto, I believe that probably helped popular popularize it. But and again, I, I grew up on I grew up on classic rock radio. Never heard it. The first time I ever heard the song was in the movie Blow in two thousand. Right so, on. Yeah. yeah. And a band <laughs> like Triumph to me was massive. Oh. Triumph got played on. FM radio in the Midwest where I grew up constantly over and over again, as much as Van Halen, at least up until 1984. But what happened with Triumph is their, their legacy. If you spoke to like if a kid in their twenties, who's a rock fan, they might not realize how big Triumph was because they're not constantly played on Sirius. They're, they're not, you know, doing the M3 festival. They're not out there. The, the brand has basically ceased to exist and in time faded from the, the pub- public's conscious. A, a Triumph was a massive three-piece band that got at times as much airplay on FM radio, FM rock radio in, in the North America as Rush did, as Van Halen did. They were massive, but Today, it's like I feel like they've faded from the public's conscious. Yeah, and proof positive, go back and watch their set at the Us Festival. They owned that crowd. I mean, they were, they didn't even have like a great slot. It was like early afternoon or something like that. And they've got that crowd in the palm of their hands with yeah. those three guys, and they're killing 90,000 people out there. I, I just recently saw that whole set a few years ago, and I was blown away as to the audience reaction to them because i'm i you know i'm a little bit younger than you mark but like i i knew a few a few of their songs from classic rock radio but they were definitely an early 80s band as far as where their peak was they they did not hang on past the second half of the decade as far as commercial so i never realized how big they were until i saw something like that triumph was way way bigger than thin lizzy ever was and and sold way more records and and played arena shows constantly and but yet the way history reflects thin lizzy in such a a higher light and maybe 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 that's legit maybe they were more influential and maybe they were more they were better artists i'm not going to judge that i'm just saying i'm just saying it's interesting how how the bands like triumph and billy squire so big just oh yeah massive and again faded from no one talks about billy squire anymore no one talks about billy squire and i mean you can go to elvis no people aren't elvis post his death okay the guy was massive in the 50s 
massive yeah. in in the sixties. In the late sixties, people started kind of making fun of him. He was a bit of a joke yeah. into the seventies. Then he died in the seventies, and the the joke was no more. And and he was immortalized and this Christ like Christ like figure for yeah. decades into the two thousands. But over the past ten to fifteen years, he's really faded from from the public uh, conscious. Uh, you look at a band like Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath to me is a perfect example because and. Listen, this is about Ozzy Osbourne. This is about Sharon Osbourne. Sabbath in the early, in, in the 80s was not cool, you know, until the late 80s when suddenly it was like, oh, th- those bands Kiss and Sabbath, what they did in the 70s, that was good shit. And, you know, Dimebag and, and Jerry Cantrell and all these people started, imp- you know, talking about how great Sabbath was. And st- suddenly Sabbath, Rolling the, the band that Rolling Stone would laugh at, you know, in their reviews became yeah. cool you know same and, thing with zeppelin same thing with zeppelin well zeppelin's different zeppelin. though zeppelin's different to me because zeppelin was in in the 80s was massive and all people sure. wanted was the zeppelin reunion people didn't want a sabbath reunion in the 80s this is true they this wanted they wanted o- another ozzy solo record that's what they wanted yeah. in in the 80s you know yeah. and it, but zeppelin to me in the 80s even though they weren't existing were were I mean, they were on the radio constantly over and over again for that whole decade. And Sabbath weren't, you know, occasionally True. you'd hear Iron Man or, or Paranoid, but Sabbath were not on the radio. Ozzy's solo stuff, yeah, that, that squeaked on the radio way more than Sabbath did, but probably not as much as Zeppelin was at that time. But I feel in recent years, there's been a turn where 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 Sabbath has become this legendary just legendary it, it, and they deserve it for sure and zeppelin's faded a little bit you know i think you know for a long time people wanted the zeppelin reunion and but i i do feel like th- that they're you know they were second only to the beatles as the as the greatest rock band of all time in a lot of people's minds but i feel like they've you know zeppelin's kind of fading and and sabbath doesn't seem to i mean the sabbath legacy and their place in history is more vital and important than it ever was well i think it's it's also the recent activity of sabbath despite the fact that they're retired now quote unquote but it's recent activity zeppelin i think people have just given up on the fact that they'll ever play as led zeppelin again so there's that i don't think there will ever be a time where zeppelin's not being played on cloud classic rock radio but yeah i think the the neat thing about sabbath is it shows you like all all the different subgenres of metal to where you know they get to be that really early metal band to where they have influence on all the different subgenres of metal and the rise of popularity in sabbath grew with the seattle explosion yeah because they were still they were still listening to sabbath that's where all that comes from allison chains and the melvins um, you know, of course they were listening to Sabbath. You, if you hear Poison and Bon Jovi, you, you're not sure. I don't think they were listening to Sabbath so much, you know? Right, so, right. Well, it's even, funny, even but the new they, wave of heavy metal bands, to me, pulled from Sabbath, but they possibly pulled just a little bit more from Deep Purple, and, and, and Led Zeppelin was just as important on, on those yeah. bands as Sabbath was. Um, but things things changed, you know... Uh, 
at some point. And, and, and I do feel like the work that specifically Sharon Osbourne has done to, you know, preserve, enhance, and keep that Aussie brand name out there in, on so many different platforms from, from Sirius's Aussie's Boneyard to the Ozfest to, I mean, she's, she has championed and profited off of Aussie's catalog and legacy and and really built that into something that at the time I mean you would think at this point that Sabbath was, you know, selling out arenas five nights in a row in the seventies, but they weren't. You know, yeah. KISS was. They, they were yeah, but they were it, they were touring arenas just like KISS and doing pretty much just as well. But yeah, no, they KISS was bigger they than doing, Sabbath they in my opinion. But they they were bigger ticket sales wise for sure. But yeah, I mean and they were playing arenas, but they weren't like selling out the garden two nights in a row. This is absolutely right. true. It's just they were a good touring band, and that was it. Yeah, you know, and and never embraced by radio in the seventies. No. Just no. you know, sure there were a few tracks that slipped on here here and there, um, but no. it's it's interesting uh, how history definitely reflects things different than maybe how it was in reality. And I think this applies to all history, not just music history, that the books that we read and about war heroes and presidents and, uh, you know, czars and leaders and, and societies and civilizations. I, I, I think that it's probably a little, it's probably a little different than, than, than we're being taught um, the reality yeah. of, of the moment. Yeah, and with with critics, it's it's still controlled by East Coast critics, you know, a lot, especially in America, and you know, the British press is very influential still as well. So what you have here is that the British are always going to give it up, and and rightfully so for Purple and Sabbath and Zeppelin, and the American critics, as far as where the cool stuff is, is all East Coast, so they're not going to give it up anymore for Billy Squire. They never did. Right, Billy Squire Triumph. 38 special another band who was massive at the time exactly you know and has a cd full of hits that everybody would recognize yeah (laughs) you know and that's just the way it is though those bands are going to fall off because they're not being talked about how great they are and or were uh because there is still always going to be an agenda like you said whether it concerns regular history or just popular cultural history that's it's going to be controlled by certain uh, you know, thoughts of the brains of the people who actually have the voice out there to be heard. Yeah, and a lot of it's the critics, a lot of it's m- corporate money pushing forth different things, like different, like like okay, we're gonna we're gonna profit off the, this band's legacy and and really blow it up into the greatest thing ever. Which maybe it was, but maybe it wasn't the most popular thing ever. You know, it's, it's very very interesting stuff. And I think we probably need to wrap it there, Joey and. Uh, we really want to thank all the listeners for being here with us on this edition of Talking Rock. You can support me on my Patreon page. There I give you a lot of exclusive content that you don't get on this podcast or on the Talking Metal podcast. So please join me on Patreon, guys. Just search Mark Striegel or Talking Metal, and you can give uh, as little as 2 bucks a month, and that gets you exclusive content that no one else gets so it's a small club there and we'd love to have you join us patreon and joey where's the best for you cnjradio.com right is that is that the address yes that's the hubbub of everything so just go check out that Uh, all the all 
All the five current shows are on there right now, and subscribe to all of them on iTunes. Yeah, and good job kind of packing all the, the best of stuff together. Uh, since we're on a new feed now for Talking Rock, Joey went back and, and kind of did compilations of some of our, our our stuff from the past, and I think it's important that that stuff lives on on the internet so thank you for resurrecting all the great content we did in the past and that's episodes what two three and four right yes yeah i i I thought it was important stuff that should still be heard and still be out there so i'm glad you you. enjoyed that so absolutely all right man well until next time we uh we thank you guys for listening and uh, i'll talk to you soon joey thanks a lot mark have a good day